Oh, good morning, everyone. Lovely to see you. I'll just sort of try and sort myself out. It, you know, it's an absolute joy uh, and privilege to, to be with you today. I've been so looking forward to this morning. It's always really special to be back home, uh, to be in my home church. I, um, I turned 50 a month ago. I know that you think I'm a barefaced liar, that I don't look anywhere uh, near it. Um, 45 years ago, around 45 years ago, the Baxter family moved from Northampton to Norwich and they settled at Deerham Road and uh, subsequently Deerham Road merged with St Mary's and became uh, NCBC. So this is, this is really home uh, for, for me and uh, it's always really special uh, to be home. So Thank you for having me. I, I, I was thinking, how rude can I be this morning? <clears throat> I thought, well, let's just go for it. Because um, <clears throat> 45 years ago, there was people that are here today who were back then, and they were well older than me. Do you know what I mean? And I thought they were old when I was five. Do you know what I mean? So, flipping it, you're doing really well. Um, Peter, Wendy, lovely to see you this morning. And uh, uh, I better get going, really. Um, I, um, I also uh, want to share the love of the church that um, I'm called to, uh, which is West Malling Baptist Church. Uh, I'm sure you've heard of West Malling. <laughs> Probably not. It's um, just outside Maidstone in Kent. Uh, since 1998, Amanda and I have been serving God in the Garden of England, and God's called us to different places along the way. And we're currently in West Malling Baptist Church, and it's it's brilliant church. We love them to bits. Really, really lovely family. They remind me of you guys, and uh, I just want to share their love with you uh, today. I'm really grateful for Tom uh, to invite me here today, and uh, it's really special to be uh, with you. Should we just pray, and then we'll turn to God's word. Father, <clears throat> Father, you are the Alpha and the Omega. We've been so focused on you today in our worship, Lord Jesus. And we thank you that you are the one who is seated on the throne. We pray that today you would be glorified, you would be magnified, and that you would be honoured in this place. And as we come to your word, we thank you that it is living and active And we pray that whatever you want to do amongst us today, you would have your way. I bless you. I bless you so much, Lord, for for this chapter in the life of this church. I thank you for the call on Tom and Joe and Timothy that you've brought them here. And I pray that you would equip them and this church for the next stage in the life of this fellowship. And I pray that you would bestow upon them a a beacon and a light of hope in this community, in this city. And I just ask your blessing upon them now. As we come to your word now, we submit to it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, So if you've got a Bible, turn with me to Revelation chapter 1. And I'm going to read the first eight verses. Revelation chapter 1, verses 1 to 8. It's up on the screen as well. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him 
to show his servants what must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who testified to everything he saw, that is, the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Blessed is the one who reads the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written in it, because the time is near. John, to the seven churches in the province of Asia, grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood, and has made us to be a kingdom and priests, to serve his God and Father. To him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Look, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all the peoples of the earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who was and who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. We give thanks to God for his amazing word. Um, one of the most remarkable things in my life is that I actually had to train as, a, as, a, as an English teacher. Uh, I, I went to Bedford um, probably in about 1991, something like that, to train as a PE teacher. And they told me that I had to have a second subject, which depressed me immediately. And they said, you've got to choose one from one of your A-levels. And I thought, that's really tricky. And, um, and, and, and actually, when I looked at it, the only option was English. Uh, one of the most crazy, stupid things was that I've actually taught a bunch of year nines, Romeo and Juliet. And uh, the only thing that consoled me in that was the fact that I was thinking, well, I haven't read it. Um, but I bet your bottom dollar, those lads haven't read it either. So we should be all right. I just, I just got them to have a fight at the beginning, um, act out the drama of the prologue, and then that seemed to go all right after that. But, but you know, one of the things actually that I really did discover um, when I was in those English lessons was the work of Willie Russell. And actually, I, I actually became quite inspired by his work. We went to the West End as a class, and and watch Blood Brothers, um, amongst other works that he did. We studied Educating Rita. Do you, do you remember Educating Rita? Michael Caine, do you remember this? Uh, I've got a little picture, might take you back. Julie Walters, Michael Caine. You know, in the film Educating Rita, Rita is a hairdresser by day and an open university pupil by night. And in essence, the story, if you're not familiar with it, it's a great film to watch. Um, she's seeking to create a better future for herself. And in the film, she talks to the English tutor, Dr. Frank Bryant, my name, 
is Michael Caine. It's, spent a week trying on that. It's, and she explains to Dr. Frank Bryant why she wants to study. And she tells a story. As she, as she talks to her tutor about why she's got this flame and this passion for study, she talks about a family night out at the pub. And she says this, I did join in the singing, but when I turned around to my mother, I'm not going to try the accent, to me mother, my mother had stopped singing and she was crying. I said, why are you crying, mother? And she said, there must be better songs to sing than these. And I thought, yeah, that's what I'm trying to do. That's what inspired her. That's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to sing a better song. I'm trying to sing a better song. You know, the song of Revelation is found in chapter 5. If you have your Bible, turn over to Revelation chapter 5, verse 9, and goes on to verse 12 and 13. And they sang a new song. In a loud voice they sang, Worthy is the Lamb. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them singing to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honour and glory and power forever and ever. That is the song of Revelation. And as, as the book of Revelation opens in chapter 1, the context here, we discover that the people of God are longing for a better song. That's their experience. There must be a better song to sing than the one we're singing. We're not exactly sure of the dates and the times that John writes down the vision that he was received. There is speculation. Some people say that it was during Nero's reign in AD 54. Some people think it was during Vespasian's reign in AD 69. I think if I was going to go for one, I would go for Domitian's reign in AD 81, 96. I think that he's writing later. I think this vision was given later. And I think the reason for that is that the people of God were, were beginning to doubt even more. They were, they, they were in a difficult place. Whichever period that this was written, under whichever Roman emperor that this vision was given... What we do know is that the church, not only in Asia Minor, but right across the Roman Empire, was facing intense persecution. There was this growing practice of emperor worship that meant a growing number of believers were required to make a fateful choice. The fateful choice that they were facing was, are you going to declare that Caesar is Lord, or are you going to declare that Jesus is Lord? And for those Christians right across the Roman Empire, during what I think is Domitian's time, I think that they were then going to be for the chop. They were persecuted, they were martyred, they were burned at the stake, they were fed to the gladiators. That was their experience. Not only that, all the apostles have been uh, persecuted and killed, there is one left, and that's their bishop. 
Bishop John, who had oversight of the churches of Asia Minor that we know as Turkey, he's the last one standing. And what have they done with him? They've exiled him to this island in Patmos. And he is there in the mines of Patmos, probably now in his 80s. And, and it's in this context that we find the people of God longing for a better song. Where, where is the hope? Where is God? Why is this happening to me? It occurs to me today that in every generation, there are people within the body of God who are longing for a better song. Are you longing for a better song today? Where is the hope? Where is God? Why is this happening to me? That's the context of Revelation chapter 1. And you know, in, in the midst of this question, where are you, God? Why is this happening to me? We are introduced to this revelation. The point of Revelation, the point of this letter, the whole purpose of the whole of this vision is that God is in control, that God is seated on the throne. You see, what we see in response to the doubts, what we see in response to the difficulty is a revelation. And the actual Greek word is apocalypsis. You might be familiar with the English version of this word, which is um, apocalypse. But apocalypsis, the, the, the actual original understanding of the Greek word apocalypsis actually means unveiling. That's what it really means. The revelation of Jesus Christ is actually an unveiling. And that's really, really important because I think that they'd lost sight of Jesus. In their struggle, they'd lost sight of Jesus. Where are you? Where are you? I can't see you. And suddenly this revelation comes and, and there is this unveiling, unveiling. It's an unveiling of Jesus Christ. And I think that's the crucial thing. We all need a fresh revelation of Jesus. In the midst of darkness, in the midst of confusion, in the midst of persecution, in the midst of difficult circumstances, what does God do? He gives them a fresh revelation. A fresh revelation, an unveiling, an apocalypsis of Jesus Christ. Look at verse 1. The revelation, the apocalypsis of Jesus Christ. And it occurs to me, and this is, this is my heart really, is that the church of Jesus Christ in every age, in every generation, the church of Jesus Christ needs this vision of Jesus. I, I've been so blessed by the worship this morning because it has been Christ-centred. Turn, even I remember when I was five singing it, turn your eyes upon, and I feel like quite, I really do feel old, do you know what I mean, saying this? And I look at, uh, 
I look at my Sunday school teachers here, and you taught me this song, turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face. And I've forgotten the rest of the words now. And the things on earth grow strangely dim in, in the light of his glory and grace. And, and that's really it in an essence. We lose, don't we lose sight of Jesus? Don't we become so embroiled in our circumstances? Sometimes we become overwhelmed by our circumstances. And what's the antidote to that for us as the people of God? It's this fresh revelation. It's the unveiling. It's the apocalypsis of Jesus. And so the people of God are longing for a better song. And what we see is the Lord puts a new song in their hearts. What Revelation does for the church in Asia Minor, it gives them a new song. It puts a new song in their hearts and a new song in their mouths. That song is worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. So just in these moments this morning, I I just want us to concentrate on this revelation. What is this revelation? if, if the response of Jesus is to give them a revelation of himself, what do we see in that revelation? What was the revelation they received? Very, very simply, I think there are three dimensions in the prologue that give us this insight, this fresh insight to Jesus. Probably the key verse I want to concentrate us on is verse 5. I'll, I'll just read read a little bit further back from that grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits before his throne and this is the crucial bit and from Jesus Christ this is the vision who is the faithful witness the firstborn from the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth that's the bit And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. That's the vision. And so there are three dimensions in this prologue of this fresh revelation of Jesus. Let's look at the first one. The first one then is the faithful witness. Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. This, this verse, actually, if you want to do some background reading on it, that this verse is rooted in Psalm, in the Messianic Psalm 89. If you go back in your own time and look at Psalm 89, you will see this prophetic song speaks of the Messiah. And in that psalm, the psalm says, look, when the Messiah comes, the Messiah is going to be a faithful witness. The Messiah will be a faithful witness. I think this picture really is all about trust. The first thing I think that the revelation shows the church, the beleaguered church, is that you can really trust Jesus. You can really, really trust him at his word. And I know you know that. 
I think it's easier to know that than it is to live it out. That's how it is in my life. If you come up to me rationally and say, Dave, do you trust Jesus at his word? I would rationally say, yeah, absolutely. Amen. Absolutely trust. Do you trust him, Dave, though, in the midst of all emotion? Do you trust him in in the midst of all circumstances, in all situations? No. I freak out. I panic. I get anxious. And what this says, I mean, that might just be me. (laughs) But I don't think it is, is it? But, but Jesus brings him, them back, brings the church back to the truth that, that he is the faithful witness. In other words, you can really trust Jesus at his word. This, the word that we get here for witness was, was closely related to testimony. It's really a legal term. And, and, and you know what it is. If you've got a jury and you've got a witness in the dock, the, the jury are listening to see if what that witness says, the, seeing if the testimony is plausible. Does it stack up? Does it, does it resonate? Does it make sense? Do I believe that person? And, and Jesus stands before the church and he says, I am a faithful witness My testimony to you is absolutely spot on. My testimony to you is the truth and you can trust it. When Jesus said to his followers, in my father's house are many rooms, it is true. When Jesus says, I'm going to there to prepare a place for you, he absolutely meant it. When he said, I will come back and take you to be with me, we can absolutely trust him. Jesus said, I'm going away and now I'm going to return. And it's true. We can absolutely trust it. You see, one of the problems for the, for the early church at that time, and this is why I think it was the last of those emperors when this vision was given, is that the early church were beginning to doubt. They were really beginning to doubt. You see, in their mind, they had anticipated that Jesus was going to return in their own lifetime. And there were people within the congregations who were beginning to think, well, shouldn't he have arrived by now? Shouldn't he have returned? Shouldn't he have come back? Where is he? And they were beginning to doubt. And and not only that, as I've said, the... The apostles, one by one, were being persecuted and martyred. And now the leader of their church, their bishop, has been carted off to to Patmos. And they were beginning to doubt. In their mind, they, they knew that Jesus was Lord, but in their circumstances, in their emotions, in the reality, like, where is he? Shouldn't he have come back by now? And do you know what? This vision brings them back to that point of trust. Basically, Jesus says, you can really trust me. You can really trust me at my word. The truest thing about you is what God says about you. And Jesus says, look, you can trust my word. You can trust 
my witness. And I want to say, I want to share this morning that it's easy for us all to doubt at times. It's, it's, it's easy, particularly when it feels that everything's going pear-shaped, you can really trust Jesus. And that's the point where we really have to trust him. Jesus says, look, I am the faithful witness. Jesus is faithful to his word. If he, if, if he promised you something 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, if he promised you something and you are thinking, oh, did I miss here? Was it just my own thoughts? Was it my own idea? Did I make it up? No, if you know that God spoke to you, he is faithful. All his promises end yes and amen. Amen. You weren't this exciting 20 years ago. <laughs> Flipping it. What's, what's gone on? <laughs> but it's true, it is worth getting excited about, isn't it? Jesus is the faithful witness. That's the first dimension of the revelation, which brings us to the second one, which is that Jesus is declared here as the firstborn from the dead. Jesus is the firstborn from the dead. Now, if the first dimension, the faithful witness, is about trust, you can really trust Jesus. This second dimension is all about pathway. What does it mean when we see that Jesus is the firstborn from the dead? Actually, I think that this is about the pioneering of Jesus. This is about the journey of Jesus. Jesus reminds them of everything that he came through. Jesus is the man of sorrows. Jesus is the one who became obedient, emptied himself, humbled himself to that position of a servant where he was born and he walked through this life. And, and, he, and he was obedient even to the point of death on a cross but then we know that three days later, having been crucified, he was resurrected. The, the same power, Bible says that the same power that, that enacted the resurrection in the life of Jesus, that same dynamic, that same um, energomos, I think it is in the Greek, that same energy that brought Jesus to life is at work in our lives. This is all about pathway. And he says to the suffering church, look, look, I know your journey. In fact, I've cut the pathway for you. I am the pioneer. I am the firstborn from the, death, from the dead. It's about journey. Jesus says, I, to the, Jesus says to the suffering church, I recognize and affirm your journey. Why? Because that was my journey first. He is the firstborn from the dead. Jesus walked a path of suffering, died, and then was resurrected, and then was exalted to the highest place and is seated on the throne. And what he says to the church is this. He said, look, my journey is now your journey. 
Yes, through this world you are going to know troubles. You are going to know difficulties. It's not a bed of roses. You are going to experience suffering. But, but for those who keep walking closely with Jesus, his journey becomes our journey. Why? Because Jesus is the firstborn from the dead and in Christ we are a new creation. In Christ we have that same resurrection power. In Christ our citizenship is not in the Roman Empire. Our citizenship is not, is not on this earth. Our citizenship is in heaven. Isn't that amazing? Whatever you are going through now, look at the pathway of Jesus. His pathway is your pathway. That same resurrection power that was at work in Jesus is at work in you. I don't always feel that on a Monday morning. That's why we have to trust him, isn't it? His pathway is our pathway. And death will not have the final say. Suffering will not have the last word. Doubt is not going to have the last word. Jesus is going to have the last word. Amen. So, the faithful witness. This is a good revelation. This is a better song, isn't it? He is the faithful witness. He is the firstborn from the dead. And then we get to the third dimension, the ruler of the kings of the earth. Um, if, you, if you look further into Revelation, what you will see is that the vision says, and it, and it links back to Daniel. In Daniel, there's this statue. Daniel this is the amazing thing about scripture is that it, it so ties up. How many centuries earlier does Daniel have a vision of this statue? And then his vision is so like John's vision all these centuries later. It's the same God. It might be a different generation, but it's the same God speaking the same message of hope. And what we see in Revelation is there's a prophecy and basically the prophecy says this, look, nations will rise, kingdoms will rise, and kingdoms will fall. And then another kingdom will rise, and another kingdom will fall, and then another ki kingdom will rise, and another, another kingdom will fall. And each of these kingdoms will be bad news for you as followers of Jesus. It won't be easy to follow Jesus under the rule and reign of each of these kingdoms, and they will rise and they will fall. But then there is going to be an everlasting kingdom. There is going to be a kingdom that comes that will never tarnish, that will never crumble. It is an everlasting kingdom. And you know, the king of that kingdom is Jesus. And the declaration of this vision is that Jesus is the ruler of the kings of the earth. He is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He is the everlasting one. He is our savior. And he's our friend. He's with us. 
That's who you step out with every day. This is Jesus. He is the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. Yes, there was Nero. Yes, there was Vespasian. Yes, there's Domitian. Most of these, most of these um, emperors end up as dog food. You know, like Caesar or, or Nero. You, they're, they're known as dog food. If, I, if that's not too rude to say. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. And what does Jesus say? He says, the kingdom of heaven is near. The time has come. He says it again. When Jesus burst into, into Galilee in his public ministry, he said, the time is near. Here in Revelation chapter 1, verse 4, I think it is. He says, blessed is the one who reads the words of this prophecy and blessed are those who hear it and take it to heart what is written in it because the time is near. The time is near. Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning and the end. God is in control. Time is in his hands. Whatever kingdom rise, whatever kingdom falls, God will have the final word. Rome will not have the final word. Jesus will have the final word. And, and I think that this is the point that I just really want to emphasize in this vision, is that your circumstances are not going to have the final is not going to have the final word in your life. Your, your situation, the challenges that you face, the disappointments, the brokenness, the rejection, whatever it is, that is not going to have the final word. Fear is not going to have the final word. Insecurity is not going to have the final word. Jesus Jesus is going to have the final word. Whatever rises up in your life, whatever crumbles, Jesus has the final word. Why? Because he is the ruler of the king of kings. He's the, he's the ruler of the kings of the earth. There is no one stronger, no one greater, no one more mighty. He has full authority. He is seated on the throne. And so there we have it. There we have it. What have we uh, been learning about today, just as a reminder? Just last thing. The people of God, what we've said today in this revelation is the people of God were longing for a better song. And they were given, in response, the revelation of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> and in the prologue, we see what this revelation is. <clears throat> First of all, Jesus is revealed as the faithful witness. You can really trust Jesus at his word. Secondly, <clears throat> he is the firstborn from the dead. In other words, he has cut the pathway. Follow Jesus, he will lead you home. And then lastly, he is the ruler of the kings of the earth. Your circumstances will not have the final word. Jesus will have the final word. Amen? I've loved being here today with you. 
And I've just wanted to bring a word of encouragement to a beautiful church that is so dear to my heart. And the encouragement is this. May we be granted a fresh vision. May we be granted a fresh vision of Jesus. Let's, let's pray. Let Christ be unveiled in this place. Let's pray together. Let's pray. We love you, Jesus. Forgive us when we have taken our eye off you. Forgive us for when we've looked at our circumstances rather than looking to you. I pray that you would strengthen each one of us today as we turn our face towards you. Bless you, Jesus. Give us, grant us, we pray, a fresh revelation of you this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks, David. We're just going to um, take some time now to, to respond, give some space and time to respond um, to what David's brought to us. So we're going to start by singing, Here I am, humbled by your majesty, covered by your grace so free.
What gift of grace is Jesus my Redeemer? There is no more for heaven now to give. He is my joy, my righteousness and freedom, my steadfast love, my deep and boundless peace.
Father God, as we take our worship, our praise and prayer from this place and into our daily lives, may our lives be sustained through the love of our Heavenly Father. May we feel the presence of our Saviour walking beside us and know the power of the Spirit in both our actions and in our words. And we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. The formal part of the service is now over. Please take a seat. There's going to be tea and coffee, obviously, available as normal through there. If you feel, though, and I feel very strongly today that I need to see, say this, if you feel really touched by God's words brought through David, or if there's something else that you feel you need to deal with with God, please don't rush away. There's going to be people coming down to pray who will be at the front. They will appear shortly. And I think it's Steve and Yvette. I can see Steve moving. Yvette's waving at me. So I think it's them. They're coming down to pray. There's others too who are available, church leaders or maybe someone who you trust who are available. So please feel free to stay in here to, to pray on your own or with someone else. And we are just going to, we're going to sing another song now. The service is over. You can, you can leave. But if you want to join us, you're very welcome. If you don't, that's fine too. So we're just going to sing, I Speak Jesus. Mm-hmm. 